Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the question many have been posing from both sides of the political aisle is what is the lesson that the Democrats will learn coming out of the elections that took place in New Jersey and Virginia and other places around the country uh, that seem to repudiate the the path or the trajectory of the president's domestic agenda. Today, we know that the House Democrats are, are gearing up and trying to swiftly move things through to get a vote on two big pieces of President Biden's domestic agenda, which really have been stalled out. Of course, the bipartisan infrastructure bill and then the broader, bigger social spending package. Uh, the question remains, are there enough votes to pass either of them? And how is this infighting surrounding these bills? How is it impacting uh, the Democrats standing among voters everywhere? So let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, it's getting very interesting in our nation's capital today as House Democrats are trying to gear up uh, two key votes. Uh, they had uh, uh, Speaker Pelosi mentioned that they may be able to uh, get uh, one of those votes done today on the $1.75 trillion social spending package, which they are pushing through uh, with no CBO score. That's a Congressional Budget Office score, which basically goes through bills and assesses what it is spending and what whether that's realistic or not, and then how it's going to be paid for and whether that is realistic or not. And uh, they are going to do this without that score. I think part of that is because they don't have all the text uh, laid out and all the programs complete yet in terms of how they're going to frame that. Uh, so let's break this down just a little bit in terms of how this all tied into what took place over the last 48 hours. During her press conference this morning, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi expressed some disappointment that they didn't pass the bipartisan infrastructure bill last month, uh, but still seemed confident that they would get both of these bills done. I think many of you know I was really very unhappy about not passing the BIF last week. I, I really was very unhappy because we had an October 31st deadline, and I thought that that was eloquent, but not enough, I guess. So now we're going to, we're going to pass both bills, but in order to do so, we have to have votes for both bills, and that's where we are. Speaker Pelosi admitted that if Democrats had met their deadline, passed that infrastructure bill and communicated their agenda a little bit better, maybe the results in Virginia would have been a little bit different. Again, I haven't seen that uh, and, and all of the analysis. And I know 
from my own experience that, uh, uh, the, as I've said to you before, the plural of anecdote is not data. Let's see what the data is as it comes out. But there's no question. If we, uh, the more results we can produce in a way that is, people understand in their lives, the better it is. So yesterday and today, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia uh, said that he didn't support having that paid leave in the reconciliation bill. Uh, he supports the principle and the policy, just not in a bill of this size uh, that's not paid for. Uh, today, Speaker Pelosi responded and just said she flat disagrees with the senator from West Virginia. We talk enough. He knows what my message is. But uh, with all the respect in the world for the point of view he represents, I disagree. I think that this is appropriate for this legislation. It fits very comfortably with child care, health care, home care, family and medical leave. And it has the full support of our caucus. Uh, Speaker Pelosi said uh, in a statement uh, that she believes that they have all the information they need to confirm that the the social spending package is actually paid for. Uh, This morning we have a report from Joint Tax which is um, uh, very documenting how the bill and validating how the legislation is paid for. Uh, It's very solid because people said, well, it's really paid. There are people who say it isn't paid for. Yeah, there are people who say a lot of things. But this document of joint tax is is objective. That's not Democratic. It's not Republican. It's objective view that it is uh, solidly paid for. So a lot of debate in terms of the pay force there, which is why the CBO score is so important. So you can't just say, well, we think we're going to get this much money from here and we're only going to spend this much here. Uh, The CBO score can actually make that a reality. Now, I want to jump on to another portion. So we have this family leave portion, which was reinserted into the bill this morning uh, by Speaker Pelosi. We know that's going to create a conflict in the Senate uh, with Senators Manchin and Sinema. Another component is actually a really fascinating one. Uh, And that is this idea of the SALT uh, cap. So SALT is sales and local taxes and how you can uh, deduct those from your federal income tax. And so part of what is being inserted in the bill or what is being talked about having in the bill is to either remove that cap altogether or to increase it significantly. Uh, And... The problem with that comes from Bernie Sanders and the progressive wing of the party uh, because they say, wait a minute, we can't do that because that would actually be a tax cut for the wealthy. Eliminating the cap entirely would result in a massive tax break for the wealthiest families in this country. The multimillionaires and billionaires who own mansions in exclusive neighborhoods and who can afford to make extremely expensive purchases do not need a tax break. According to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, a five-year complete repeal, which is what some are talking about, would cost roughly $475 billion, with $400 billion of that tax cut going to the top 5%. Okay, this is really stunning to me uh, because... Remember, a lot of the mantra of how we're going to pay for this massive $1.75 trillion social spending package is we're going to tax the rich. We're going to tax the rich. But now you have a group of Democratic senators who have said we're going to repeal this uh, ability to take a deduction on your state and local sales tax. 
uh, from your uh, from your federal taxes, and that would result in obviously a a tax break to the wealthiest of Americans. Uh, so Senator Sanders continued on uh, talking about this cap and if uh, what it would actually do and just how much it would benefit the wealthy even after the Democrats raised taxes on them through some other mechanisms in the reconciliation package, which I'll remind everybody, the reconciliation package, this is completely redoing tax uh, in a significant way. According to the nonpartisan, this nonpartisan organization, if this proposal were to go into effect, that's the complete repeal, the top 5% would receive a net tax cut of $30 billion a year, even after including all of the other provisions to increase taxes on the wealthy that are currently in the Build Back Better Act. At a time when Democrats are correctly demanding that the wealthy finally start paying their fair share of taxes, it would be absurd and hypocritical to provide the richest people in this country with a massive tax breaks. So this is just a fascinating debate within the this is not Republicans saying let's give a tax break to the wealthy. This is the Democratic senators saying this is we're going to give everybody this break. And of course, it would give a larger break to the wealthiest who spend more. Uh, so it's a fascinating debate. There's much more to come on this. There may be a vote as early as tonight. Uh, we'll continue to watch it here on KSL News Radio. Uh, stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources. Stay with us. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.